Welcome back to our Weird History episode, where we seek to bring you tales of the strange and unusual throughout history. I once again don't know the topic. So what are we talking about, Melissa? (laughs) What are we talking about? Today, I am regaling you with a tall tale. Quite so incredible. You may not believe it actually happened. A hoax. So absolutely absurd. I had to research it. Do share. I love me a good hoax. (laughs) Especially one as crazy as this one. So to start off, let's go back to the spring of 1823 in New York, specifically in Manhattan. Two men, a man named DeVoe, who is a retired butcher, and Lozier, who's a wealthy contractor, are sitting at a table in the back of New York City's Central Market. Surrounding their table are several inhabitants of the city. You've got fishermen, farmers, butchers, carpenters, and many more intently listening to these two men. What are these men talking about that has their audience so enthralled? A tale so charismatic and so engulfing of absolute possible terror. The men at this table claimed that the city of Manhattan was sinking into the sea. Let's step away for the men at the table for just a second, though. To give you a bit of background info, by the early 1820s, New York City had actually become America's most populous city with over 150,000 people, which was a lot for the time. According to DeVoe and Lozier, this many people, plus the increasing infrastructure and buildings within the city were enough weight to start pushing the land into the harbor. But the men at the table told these onlookers, go, don't worry, though, we have a plan to fix it. They exclaimed to their audience that they had been hired by the then mayor of the city, Stephen Allen, to come up with a perfect solution. After much deliberation and calculations, they came up with an idea to stop the land from sinking due to all of this new weight. I would love to hear your guesses because you'll never figure it out. Okay, I'm sorry. You're going to have to repeat the question one more time so that I make sure I have a full understanding of the question. Go. What do you think was their plan to solve this potential crisis of Manhattan sinking into the city due to the increase of population, buildings, and infrastructure? Manhattan sinking into, I think you mean the ocean. <laughs> the, 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 the New York City Harbor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did they think of? Um, bringing in more sand to rebuild it? I'm not sure there. Um, um, uh, try attempting to move the ocean. I'm not, this is ridiculous, but. Oh, this is a ridiculous story. Go ahead. I'm going to come up with a ridiculous, I'm going to come up with ridiculous options just because it's a ridiculous story anyway. So yes, it is. I don't know, put a bunch of bodies in the ocean. How would that stop the island from sinking? I don't know. I'm coming up with ridiculous options, aren't I? <laughs> Thought I was supposed to come up with ridiculous options, not sane ones. 
Oh, I didn't say this was a sane option. It's still a ridiculous option. How do you stop? Um, they could, I don't know if they thought of doing something like what Venice did where Venice is sinking. No, that would have been actually a smart option. True. Never mind. Take back my sane option. That's a good engineering option. I don't know. What did they do? I can't come up with any more ridiculous options. This is such a ridiculous, absurd option. And I cannot believe that this supposedly happened. What supposedly happened? DeVoe and Lozier claimed that with enough manpower, they would be able to saw Manhattan in half with the added effort of towing the lower half of Manhattan out into the city harbor, turning the entire half of the island around 180 and bringing it back and reattaching it to the mainland in order to redistribute the weight. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> they wanted to take half of the the island and reconnect it to the mainland? They wanted to take the half, the, so the lower tip of Manhattan was having all of this population and building mm-hmm. and infrastructure. So the men claim that the lower half of Manhattan was dipping into New York City, uh, the, the harbor. Yeah. And so in order to fix the issue, you would saw the lower portion of Manhattan off of the rest of Manhattan, tow it out to sea, turn the land around, bring it back, and reattach it with the lower half now in a 180 section so that it's more in balance with the rest of the land. Nope, 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 nope. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was an option. Since when? (laughs) Since when can you saw off the land? Well, if if you can dig through it. Yeah, let's, yeah, but we don't dig all the way to the bottom. Let me just try and dig all the way beneath the ocean and just see where it gets. Right. Well, this is the 1820s. Most people weren't aware of that. Oi. (laughs) Yes, it's just floating. Oh. Oh, it gets better than just that, too. Oh, no. No. It's not called weird history for no reason. (laughs) So obviously, given our reactions to this, we know immediately that this is all crap. But keep in mind, here in America, at that time, there were very many in a country who were uneducated doesn't mean that they weren't smart necessarily they were just uneducated this was also though around the same time as the digging of the erie canal so to many who listened to the men that day believed them because they had either heard or listened or heard or witnessed the engineering feat that was needed to create the canal and believed that this type of feat for sawing and redistributing the weight of Manhattan was actually possible because back then this solution 
didn't seem impossible. Now, according to DeVoe and Lozier, this feat was absolutely possible, but it would need a lot of money to fund it. And also hundreds of men to assist in it. At the same time that New York was also America's most populous city, it was also seeing a major yellow fever epidemic and a major economic depression. So work was incredibly hard to come by. So now you're hearing about this major engineering feat and you kind of flock over to it. The men told anyone who listened that not only would they be paid well and have steady employment as the project itself would take time, men came from all over to supposedly take place, uh, take part in this major engineering project that the mayor gave them permission to do. Over the next few weeks, the story goes, the men would go around spreading the word about the project, signing up hundreds of eager tradesmen for this Herculean task. They were looking for suppliers, crafters, carpenters, joiners, blacksmiths, anyone with a, a, a trade that they could use. I have some details on how the plan was supposed to go about, specific details. So if you think the idea of moving the lower portion of Manhattan out to sea and turning around seemed utterly absurd, to put it mildly, the plan is doubly absurd. So according to the story, the plan went at, would, would be to proceed as such. Teams of 20 men would work one saw each, saw through the city. Then another team of oarsmen, 100 men per oar, would then row this slice of land past Ellis Island, turn it around, and then bring it back. For the saws, they needed carpenters and joiners to make 20 100-foot saws with three-foot teeth on them, as well as 24 250-foot long oars. They also said that they needed ironworkers and blacksmiths to make 24 massive iron ore locks and a massive anchor with extremely long chains on it. Would you like to take a guess as to why this extremely long chain on the anchor would be needed? To drag the thing? The uh, iron? Dragging would slow it down. Don't know. Maybe. What is normally an anchor used for? Well, to stop a ship and to hold it in place. Uh-huh. Are they trying to hold the island in place with an anchor? Yeah. To stop it from drifting out to sea, so the men would claim. <laughs> Does my face just express my confusion? <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. In addition to all of this, the plan also included hiring hundreds of contractors to build housing for everyone on the project and also hire hundreds of butchers and farmers to supply these hundreds and hundreds of men with food consisting of 
hundreds of cattle, pigs, and chicken. Comment? I'm honestly just sighing. So after everyone who decided that we're going to participate signed up, DeVoe and Lozier gave everyone a date for the project to start. As the day drew near, the two men announced that all those participating needed to proceed to the building site. And there is a book about this by author Joel Rose. And this is actually a quote from the book, sort of an imagining of what happened the day the project was supposed to start. The men began to arrive early as they had been instructed. Some were carrying tools, shovels, axes, picks. Some pushed wheelbarrows. Some came with their wives and children. Contractors and carpenters drove up in wagons loaded with lumber, hammers, and saws. Butchers drove herds of cattle, hogs, and hogs, carts loaded with crated chickens. At each site, they were met by a fife and drum corps that had been engaged by Lozier to lead the army of workers into their triumphant trek north. The atmosphere was jovial and full of hope. Estimates were that between 500 and 1,000 workers showed up at each locale. They stood around for some time, but to no avail. Finally, after several hours, a contingent was sent back to Center Market to see if either or both Lozier and DeVoe could be located or to learn what caused their delay. At the market, a message had been left at their table that said that the pair had to leave town owing to matters of health. For an hour, the workers hung around wondering what to do while the fife and drum bands continued on with their music. The mood grew increasingly angry. Gradually, it dawned on more and more and more of them that they had been handsomely sold. The whole project, oh, the stupidity, the stupidity. But you're right, we do know majority of the information that we've mentioned today rather than back in the 1800s. There's so much more. Oh my God. I'm just, I, I think I'm still stuck on the fact that they tried to anchor half the island of Manhattan so that it doesn't drift. Just, <laughs> I know, that's the part that got You're really going to be able to cut it in half. <laughs> We're just going to cut it in half and it's not going to see. Just... Well, even just think about the logistics of cutting through the populous and densely packed building and infrastructure of the It's not city possible. You're going to cut through infrastructure and housing with a hundred foot saw with three foot teeth? Yeah, no, you're not. <laughs> just, it, it's not gonna, it's not, no, just no. Do you remember our trial of the tomatoes episode? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the outcome of that one? Uh, no, I don't. We've done so many of these. Some, some of them, I, re I remember talking about it. I don't remember the outcome. I, uh, we haven't covered too many hoaxes. I'm talking about weird histories in general. But pray, continue, tell me more. Well, much like the ending of our Trial of the Tomatoes episode, many stories have been written about this account of an attempt 
or a plan to solve Manhattan in half. But much like lore and legend, this one didn't actually happen. You mean they weren't successful? Not only weren't they not successful, it never happened. Oh, I th- so this is just a hoax kind of story. Like no one, why would anyone want to spread this? Well, as there have been people researching into this account for some time, it's been found that the first account of this storytelling takes place 30 years after the event was supposed to happen, which was published in the 1850s. DeVoe apparently was an actual person and recounted this story to his nephew, Thomas, who at the time was a member of New York Historical Society. Thomas then published his uncle's tale in a book called The Market Book, which was a tale about different marketplaces throughout New York. Now, according to those who have researched the story, as I mentioned, there are several, DeVoe recounts the tale of the time that he and his friend scammed the entire city. But according to DeVoe, he can't remember whether it was 1823 or 1824. And in fact, he even told his nephew that the man named Lozier wasn't even his real name. And it happened so long ago, even though these men were supposedly really good friends at the time, he couldn't even remember the man's actual name. In addition, and we know this for certain, there has never been anything made at any kind of publication of any kind about this event happening at the time it was recorded to potentially happen in the 1820s. Nothing on the undertaking of it, nor the failure of it. There are no journals, diaries, newspapers, letters, or anything else from any New Yorker from the time about any of it. You would think that a a task like this, Mm -hmm. were it true, would have stirred up a ton of press. Oh yeah. I mean, the fa- it's, it's just, it's interesting. It, that is, it, it is a fascinating story to think about because it was definitely a story, as you said, and the fact that it spread as it did, even though it died out very quickly, it's just, it, it's, it's so interesting, but who would want to even try to cut the Manhattan in half. I just don't know. I don't know. Well, as is always the case, there is a twist to all of this. Oh no. But it takes place much later on and I'll get to that in just a couple minutes. Okay. (laughs) But to continue with this specific story, it is possible according to the researchers that DeVoe and Lozier or whatever his name was, did actually try to convince some people that the city of, or at least the lower portion of Manhattan was sinking into the harbor and that they actually had a plan to fix it. But the attempt of scam never got any farther than just a handful of believers because obviously it never happened. And at the end of his research, Joel Rose also states that the hoax may never have occurred and therefore deserve no further notice but it became evident that the hoax authenticity 
no longer mattered. The story was part of the fabric of the city's history as much as Washington Irving's Diedrich Knickerbocker and Asbury's own Gangs of New York. And against a context of 19th century rise, hoax and humbug, it was important. Yeah. Fascinating. But we're not done. Still fascinating. This one's even better. Oh, goody. <laughs> if you thought that was absurd, this one's a slightly more absurd. I feel like this, this upcoming piece sort of gives me Hey Arnold vibes, and I'm not really sure why. But I feel like it would have been something as part of a, a general episode of Hey Arnold, maybe because it also takes place in New York. I'm not sure. But a similar attempt to saw a portion of the city actually did happen in 1895, though on a very much smaller scale. Huh? <laughs> although it was an actual sawing i know the listeners don't get my facial expressions when this comes out but my facial expressions are what make melissa laugh more than what i say that the absurdity of the story makes me laugh so the area known as marble hill once used to be at the northern tip of the city of manhattan in 1895, the Army Corps of Engineers calculated that it would actually be faster for ships to arrive in Manhattan if they didn't have to go around Marble Hill. Their ingenious fix slice the outcropping of the tip of Manhattan, so a Marble Hill, turn it into an island, and then thus creating the Harlem, Harlem, ship, Harlem River Ship Canal. So you, you dig out a canal so that the river now runs parallel to Manhattan, creating a good shipping canal. And the portion of Marble Hill is now off to the side, creating a little island. In 1913, though, the canal was kind of filled in. What's really interesting about this because you're not ready for this. Oh, crap. <laughs> so even today, Marble Hill is still considered to be part of the borough of Manhattan. However, it has a Bronx zip code, which obviously leads to issues of jurisdiction. There have been some attempts to for the Bronx to claim Marble Hill and for Manhattan to continue holding onto Marble Hill, the inhabitants of Manhattan, or the, sorry, the inhabitants of Marble Hill consider themselves to be of Manhattan and have staunchly forever refused to be part of the Bronx. Because of this, at one point, the Bronx borough president, James Lyons, attempted in 1939 to annex Marble Hill from Manhattan and claim it for the Bronx. On a Saturday in March 1939, he arrived in Marble Hill, climbed to the top of an outcropping on the island, and then firmly planted 
the Bronx flag and it claiming it for the city of the Bronx. Given it's 1939, this was also a publicity stunt and it was also the age of cameras. So there were very many around to witness this event. And there are some pictures, which I will be posting for the, when this episode airs. With our enjoyment. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. With the planting of the flag, James Lyon, president of the Bronx, claimed that the island was now territory of the Bronx. And as I said, ever since it was separated from the mainland, those who live in Marble Hill always have associated themselves with being from Manhattan, despite their Bronx zip code. Even recently, in the last several years, there was a proposal to give Marble Hill over to the Bronx, but 95 of the, of the residents of Marble Hill refused to leave the borough of Manhattan. Now in 1939, as Lyons set his flag firmly in the ground and his outcropping on Marble Hill, many of the Marble Hill locals came out decrying his annexation and booing him and even literally thumbing their noses at him. Lyon even made, he managed to take pictures with apparently four army tanks that happened to be stationed nearby as part of this publicity stunt before he left Marble Hill to return to his Bronx office. As soon as the residents, I'm sorry, as soon as he left, local residents gathered and insisted that New York Governor Herbert Lehman come to Manhattan and appear in front of the Board of Estimate and denouncing Lyons' attempt to annex the city. After some time, Lyons finally accepted his defeat went back to Marble Hill, retrieving his flag. And the story goes that as he did, he noted, he's noted saying to the locals before leaving that he didn't want such snobs in Bronx anyway. Wow. Sneaky <laughs> day. Mm-hmm. Whatever you say. I still feel like it, it just gives me some Hey Arnold vibes between Helga and Arnold. But that might just be me. Honestly, have no words <laughs> about the thawing of Manhattan. <laughs> I think I'm just stuck on that right now. And when I re-listen to the episode, I'll get stuck on something else. <laughs> I, 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 I just, I can't. But that's the, yeah, that's the tale of Sawing Manhattan in half. Technically, though not actually solving, but creating an actual island from the tip of Manhattan. Yep. Hi, Uh huh. Uh huh. All right. Well, that's our weird history for today. I hope you liked it. Well, that'll do for this episode of History Explains It All. Don't forget to check us out. Sorry, I can't right now. <laughs> okay. Don't forget to check out, check us out on social media on history explains it all underscore podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. That's where we do a today in history or an archaeology in the news, as well as our posting for the weekly episode that you get. 
You can also, you want to write in, give us a suggestion. We'd love that. That you can do that at historyexplainsall at gmail.com. And then don't forget to also check out the Instagram page for polls. We do put up polls. That'll do for this episode of History Explains It All. And uh, we'll see you next week as we trek through history to <laughs> explain it all. <laughs> Bye. Bye.